The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. CSPN and the WrestleCast present to you Cast of Strong Style with your hosts JPK Moto and Don DeLorente. Hello and welcome to Cast of Strong Style. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Anwar Starwin. What's going on, Anwar? Hello, Don. Hello to lovely people in our universe. Uh, welcome to another episode of Cast of Strong Style. Glad that you could join me, man. I'm always glad to partake in a parlay with you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Cast of Strong Style is being brought to you by the CSPN. You can find us on the web at www.cspn.us. So, Anwar, we're going to wrap up the G1 tournament here on this final review as we're going to have night 17, 18, and 19. Uh, of the tournament so it's been a great tournament so far and uh, the conclusion was epic as well so night 17 we start out with michael elgin versus makabe elgin hits splash mountain and only gets a two count makabe fights off the powerbomb attempt but elgin rocks him with strikes makabe no sells the lariat and then makabe hits his own they trade strikes and makabe hits the dvd and then he heads up top and he hits that king kong knee drop and makabe gets the win over michael elgin Man, they they drop bombs on each other. <laughs> it definitely felt like I'm um, gonna get my shit in type of affair, but I am not mad at that, man. Yeah, that was a really a a, a good hoss match, uh, like as I call them, where two big guys is going there and hit each other really hard, and uh, no sell a couple of moves here and there too. So yeah, very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I'm always here for those type of matches every once in a while. Our next match, we had the Hangman, Adam Page, versus Yoshihashi and his wig. What's going on, Moto? So Page fight back, fights back with strikes and looks for right of passage, but Yoshihashi hits a destroyer for a two count. The backstabber follows, and then Karma connects, and Yoshihashi picks up the victory. Man, I I like that, that destroyer sequence. I didn't really rock with this match. I don't know. It just didn't connect with me. Maybe it was just the wrong time me watching or something. It just didn't go. It didn't work for me. But with that said, Paige had a hell of a tournament. And Tacos, I mean, whether you wanted him in the tournament or not, he pretty much showed that he was worthy to be in the tournament with some, some of his like matches in the A block. So props to Tacos. And the future looks interesting for Adam Page. Just need New Japan to just... Lock them up. Yeah, um, I think their their deals start back at like the beginning of the year or around the Tokyo Dome show. So if he if the contract is extended out to him, it'll probably be around then, close to around Christmas, I guess. They try to you know get in front of WWE if they come snooping around again. Oh, you know they're going to come snooping around, especially after what he just done did at that tournament and what he's been doing across the year. If you've been really been paying attention for real, for real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If I, had, if, I, if I was over there, I would be a big opponent to bring him in, but you know, that's how it is. We had Bad Luck Fale face off against Minoru Suzuki. Fale looks for the Bad Luck Fall. Suzuki escapes and gets the sleeper. Suzuki then lays in strikes. 
Fale fires up and Suzuki continues to light him up with more strikes. The sleeper follows and Fale starts to fade. Desperado takes out Tangaloa, but then Tamatanga arrives. He attacks and he hits the gun stun on Minoru Suzuki and we get a disqualification. What did you feel about this match, Don? Uh, it was all right, you know, uh, the kind of clash of styles. So, you know, it's a little wonky here or there, but you kind of knew the run in was coming. You just needed to know, you know, how it was going to go down. And so they did a little bit of twist on it where Tamatanga came out of nowhere and just hit him with the gun stun. My question for you is because I've been listening, I listen to a lot of stuff. And a commonality is even with the lost weight. I mean, Fale still pretty much, Fale still wrestles pretty much the same. You would think he would have more speed or something. It seems like he's not, he hasn't adjusted his style to his right. body. Yeah, I was just about yeah. to say that. I, I think he still has that big man, you know, thing going on where he hasn't kind of spruced it up to add a little bit more, um, you know, movement, a little bit faster pace to what he's doing. I think he would be good, actually, if he, like, just take a look at like, take a look at some of Haku stuff or Umaga stuff or even Rikishi like, and maybe even Yokozuna like he could pick up some stuff and then add it to his repertoire. Not necessarily move sets, but just like little things that we can't really see, but it would help him. Because I do like Fale, Fale as a person because he's a likable person. He's, he's very good, but just like I can't, I'm not can't really rock with some of his matches. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I was listening to something today and everybody's like, well, you know, he had good matches with Okada and he had to get matches with Tanahashi and he had good matches with Omega. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay. Just <laughs> right. the wrestlers in the <laughs> right. world in all time. Like, <laughs> right. Anybody can have a really good, great match with them. You just got to be an active participant with them. Right. Right. So we get Switchblade, Jay White. He faces off against Evil. The Kiwi Crusher connects for a two count. Jay gets a chair, but Evil uses the ref as a shield, and then he hits a lariat. The ref takes the chair from Evil, and Jay hits another sleeper suplex. Evil counters the Blade Runner, and we get a ref bump. Evil cuts off the chair shot with everything is evil, and Evil gets the win. Now, this loss was significant because it basically eliminated Jay White from being able to participate in the final. Yep, man, and I, I cheered. I'm going to be honest. I cheered. I was like, that's what you get, Jay. That's what you get. <laughs> but yeah, this was a good tournament, like closure for both of them. Evil's cleverness in avoiding danger and getting the win was great. Uh, even though I didn't love Evil's tournament in comparison, in comparison to his previous one or even the one, his first one, he still has some really good matches within it. And plus, we got to give him a little break because he's been battling, like, I think a leg injury or something. So. Mm-hmm. But so I'm glad Evil got that win and the future looks bright. I love that Jay brought back the Kiwi Crusher. And I actually, I like the Kiwi Crusher more as a finisher than the Blade Runner, to be quite honest. Yeah, it was good to see that. Hadn't seen it in a while. Um, he hadn't really been breaking that out since he's kind of uh, adopted this Switchblade moniker. But yeah, it was cool to kind of see him bring that back out. Like he kind of went to the wells like, hmm, I'm going to have to do something a little different tonight. For people that don't really like know how Jay wrestled previously because wrestling as a face or a heel is different things compared on who is the wrestler. 
I would say go back from last year and check out the match that um, Jay had against Will Ospreay, and you can see what Jay could do as a babyface. Mm-hmm. It feels like he's just trying to like find his path or something with that. His character is more stronger than his actual in-ring right now. And I don't think because he doesn't have the talent. I know he has the talent. It's just he's young, so right. don't, right. give, don't give up on Switchblade. Like I said on the last show, it's like they told him that all the heels, the heels that they're pushing to just crank it up to the max instead of like, you know, wrestle really good and use a few dirty tactics here and there. And, you yeah, know, just yeah. to just to just to, you know, show that you are the heel. But, man, they, they were like, nah, turn it up to like 12. <laughs> it's danger when you have everybody doing that because right. it's room to be like have heel do subtle, dirty stuff. I think like Cody does subtle, dirty stuff too, like the best. Right, for sure. Then we get our A block final matchup. It is the Rainmaker, Okada, versus the Ace, Tanahashi. If Okada wins this match, Okada will leapfrog Tanahashi, and Okada will go to the final. If Tanahashi wins this match or earns a draw, Tanahashi will end up in the G1 final. So Okada hits the twisting Rainmaker and then he pulls up Tanahashi. But Tanahashi counters the second Rainmaker into a cradle for a great nearfall. There's under two minutes left. Tanahashi hits the Dragon Suplex and we get another great nearfall. The crowd is just losing their minds right now. Okada looks for the Rainmaker again, but Tanahashi fights and he counters the Rainmaker with a huge strike and both men are down. Tanahashi heads up top, he hits the high fly flow, and Okada kicks out just as time expires. So as a result of the draw, Tanahashi is the winner of the A block and will go on to the final. It comes back to show you them early losses by Okada really putting them behind the like eight ball. Right. Because if he would have had not lost one of those matches, probably it, it probably would have been some type of other type of tie break because they both lost to Jay or something. I don't know. It'd be but that those early losses really got Okada in. So even though he looked like he was regaining his confidence of being the guy what he once was. Mm-hmm. Um I was just like, man, that was a great match. It's like at times during the tournament, like Tanahashi put in really good, like good and really good matches, but nothing on this level. It just feels like okay, I'm gonna get myself through this tournament and then just hit you with this John Blaze stuff at the end, and he he did it. But that overarching narrative that was presented within the match and long term viewers knows it. Tanahashi, Tanahashi at this point cannot be Okada. It's been three and a half years since he beat Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. It just don't feel like he's going to ever beat Okada again. So, I mean, that was a nice touch to keep that stuff. See, that's that long-term book and stuff I love that I grew up with to a degree. Like, it's payoff for everybody that's been watching the shoot for so long. Because even though Tanahashi was close to beating him at G1 a couple of years ago in, in this match, he still hasn't beaten him. And even at Okada's lowest, Tanahashi still can't beat him in that. As a as a proud man, that has to mess with Tanahashi. Yeah, this match was awesome, man. It was so much fun. Um, just the crowd was so into it right from the beginning, and the pace that these guys went at was just amazing. I think that these last two nights for Tanahashi, man, he just set a pace that was just amazing. 
and and um when it comes down to the last two minutes and Okada's getting ready to hit maybe what looks like that final Rainmaker and then uh, Tanahashi slaps him and stops him in like mid swinging on the clothesline. Oh man, mm-hmm. that just took the crowd to a new level and then he kind of hit the high five floor or whatever and everybody thought it was over. And right yep. as he kicked out, bell rings and Rich was looking around like, oh, that's the time? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, word? <laughs> yeah. So, just a, a great build up to the to the finish, and uh, just a wonderful match. A, a lot of places have this as a five star match in, in their rating. So, and I don't. I disagree. got five stars too. Like you don't you don't overthink that. You feel it. Right. It, it it's a feeling, and if you don't feel it, you shouldn't. It's not a five star match, or it's not a classic match. I mean, it still could be a classic match, but it's not a five. I felt it. After the match, like this is five stars, so yeah, I went five on it. Yeah, I did too as well. Five on it. <laughs> this is Cast a Strong Style. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm joined by my co host, Anwar Starwin, and we're in the middle of uh, reviewing the final three nights of the G1 Climax. So we're going to move on to night 18. These are the B Block finals. We have Tamatanga versus Yano. Tamatanga shoves the ref down, and Yano makes the big comeback with the throw and a tackle. Tonga, Lo, and Fale arrive. Officials head them off, and that allows Tonga to attack Yano. Tonga shoves the ref down again, and then gun stuns the ref for the DQ. What do you feel about this match, Don? Oh, it was fun. Tamatanga comes out there after they issue that edict, and uh, I think the one of the first words he says is motherfucker. So it's like, oh. It's good to see that he's adhering to the new non-curse words, uh, English curse words uh, on the broadcast. So, um, yeah, that got off everything to, off to a rip-roaring start. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the DQ, whatever. It was it was weird that he actually did it to the ref this time, though. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> really changing it up this time. I can't, rem- I can't remember. Was this like the night that they got kicked out the arena? Yeah, it was. That's, I saw the video of that afterwards. I was laughing. Actually, I saw them getting pulled out the arena because I think I woke up like literally like around that time and I saw them getting yanked off the stage. And I was like, yeah, wow. Just wow. It's like, no, 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 no. You got to go. No, more, no, 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 no more New Japan for you today, buddy. They kicked them out of the place. Yeah, they kicked them all. And then they made an announcement that they kicked them out. Into a, and they kicked them out into a truck. I ain't never seen that before. <laughs> so sure, the second match in the blue block in the B block finals is Juice Robinson versus Goto. Juice Robinson counters to Shoten Kai, but Goto headbutts him and hits the GTR. Goto counters Pulp Friction with the sleeper. Robinson counters out and Pulp Friction is countered again. Juice Robinson hits the left-handed god and then he hits the Pulp Friction and he gets the win. So what was very interesting about this match was from the very beginning of the match, Juice unwrapped his hand so he could kind of be like his normal self. And it looked like it kind of helped him because he wrestled more of us, his normal Juice Robinson match that he had been kind of having before the hand injury. And it ended up leading him to finally beat Goto because it's the first time he's ever beaten Goto. They wrestled like three times, I think, prior to this. This was it. This was the third time okay. that he finally beat Goto. Yep. It was a nice way to close up that arc. And. It was an awesome match, but I know for a fact if you were to give them two more time, would have been even better. 
but you got to do what you got to do within the confines of time. But yeah, I, it was it was a dope. It's crazy to see that Goto only finished with six points, but he did what best he did what was best for business and helped like give Juice that little boost. Even though Juice finished with like a low score, that the last image in people's minds who saw that his his match in the finals, that finals, is that is that that he won and he won versus the reigning never champion and a person that has been his white whale. So that's a, that's a big win for Juice on multiple levels. Yeah, definitely was. Next up, Sonata versus the MVP of this year's G1 tournament, Ishii. Big match, Ishii. We get a Shining Wizard by Ishii. Ishii fires up, and Sonata counters the Lariat and rolls into the skull end. Ishii escapes, they trade Enziguris, and Ishii hits a pop-up headbutt, followed by a Lariat. Ishii destroys him with a huge Lariat for an awesome near fall, and the vertical drop Brain Buster finishes off Sonata. I kind of was like feeling my way through the match early, but then it hit that nice spot early, and then it just con- the whole match connected with me. And from that point forward, in it, I was completely engaged, and it was, it was, it was like I like that match probably more than other people match do. It's not that I it, it's I don't know what I like more than either that or the main event of that night. But it's probably I like the main event a little bit more, but not a whole lot. It's not that giant gap between entertainment value for me with those two matches. Yeah, this was a really good match, man. Sonata with that athleticism and then Ishii with that, you know, straight ahead, uh, you know, stone pit bull uh, style. Yeah, it, it made for a really, really, really fun match between those two. Yeah, man. Like, um, it's just a lot of people felt like last year should have been the year for Sonata to break out. And even though he doesn't have the points, he broke out more this year. It's funny how that works out where people were expecting Sonata to break out last year and it was evil. Mm-hmm. And this year it was more people just expecting evil to like like continue on the same trajectory and people hoping for Sonata to do good, but not being too confident about it. But it's funny how life works out sometimes. We move on to our semi main event. We have Naito versus Zach Saber Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. lays in PKs, but Naito blocks one and he hits the German and the flying forearm. But Zack Sabre Jr. gets the European clutch for a two count. The Fujinami Cradle follows for a two count. Zack Sabre Jr. counters Destino, but Naito gets it on the second try. Zack Sabre Jr. counters the second Destino attempt into the Zack Sabre Jr. driver or the Takamichinoku driver. And Zack Sabre Jr. picks up the victory. Boy, my timeline was in shock. Shock and frustration and uh, also jubilation. That hug that like Taka and Zach have had at the after the match was awesome. And one of those feel good moments, even though they're heels, but you still feel good because it was an awesome moment. Like Uncle Taka giving giving his co high like a like a hug. That, that was awesome. Like, yeah, man, this match was awesome and like Zach saving that Zach driver for just the right moment, and he. To put away Naito, because I don't think he used that that move the whole damn tournament. So anybody who was paying attention, you was waiting to see when he would use it and who he would use it on, and he used it on the people's champ Naito. So sorry, Lij fans, I, I am one too. But hey, man, this this match was awesome. Yeah, the Budokan <laughs> was definitely behind Naito in this match. Yeah, man, they were behind Naito. They wanted him to win so bad. 
And now, like, Zach, Zach got, is 2-0 and versus Naito for the year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he has that over Naito's head, too. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I love how, like, Zach got 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 Zach got Naito back for being a a, a dick, <laughs> and he was not here for it. And he just he clowned him. He clowned him before the match. He clowned him after the match. And hey, man, when you win, you can say what you want. Uh, what was funny is, um, you know, Naito was taking his time getting to the <laughs> ring, getting out of yeah. the suit. And, and starting the match, and Zack Sabre Jr. was going ballistic, screaming across the ring at him. I was like, holy shit, he's caged up right now. He is ready to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. He was salty. And he, and he made nights nice okay for that. Yeah, so. he did. So now we move into our finals, the B-Block finals. Kenny Omega facing off with his Golden Lover counterpart, Kota Ibushi. So Omega wins this match. He's a sh- or draws. He gets into the uh, the final. Abushi has to win this match, and by virtue of a lot of tiebreakers, Abushi will end up going into the final. So Kota Abushi heads up top, and he misses the Phoenix Splash. We get a V trigger to the back of his head from Kenny Omega, followed by the J Driller, and we get a near fall. The V trigger connects, and a beat, and, uh, but then Abushi counters the one wing angel. Omega then hits the Omari dropper variation and covers for a two count, and that gets followed by another V-trigger. Omega climbs the ropes and looks for the super one-winged angel, but Ibushi fights for his life and climbs on Omega's back, and he comes off with a double stop. Ibushi follows him back up top, and then he hits a super tiger driver, but Omega somehow kicks out. The The Kamigoye connects, and Kenny Omega is done as Kota Ibushi advances to the G1 final to face Tanahashi. Man, putting these two guys versus each other is dangerous, <laughs> but it's so entertaining. They broke out some really donkey type stuff, but it was so awesome. That, I That super tiger I, I, driver off the top oh, ropes? Yeah, Holy like, shit. No, be careful, guys. I was like over there being scared. And he hit. I was like, ah! Um, just I like the fact that yes we are best friends or lovers but we will when it comes down to it we all want to be in the main event and we want to be the main event of Wrestle Kingdom so we'll give each other everything just like we give anybody else it's no holding back and even though I say it's no holding back I think they save some stuff for the future so this is an awesome match one of the best matches of the tournament and a nice conclusion for Omega, who had a great tournament. Not 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 MVP, but close. So it was a big win for Ubaton. Yeah, man, that was a great match. Uh, the, the crowd was going crazy, and uh, Kota Ibushi winning was definitely a, 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 a favorite. You know, it definitely went over well with the crowd. They were very excited to uh, to have that happen. And then the end, you know, the Young Bucks out there, um, you know, kind of in, you know, Kenny and you know, celebrating with Coda and everything like that because it took them a mm-hmm. minute to kind of figure out the points and stuff. So they were kind of all yeah. in the ring together there for a second. So that was a really cool visual to see all four of them kind of, you know, congratulating uh, Abushi once the announcement came down and everything like that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was that was a really cool touch. Yeah, and how they all went back to back to the back together that was mm-hmm. pretty cool too. Right. This is Cash's Strong Style. You can find us 
on the web at cspn.us. You can also find us on Google, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. So we're getting to night 19, the final night of the tournament. We're going to talk about some things on the undercard before we get to the actual final match, the main event. So we had the return of Cody to Japan, and he teamed up with Heyman Page to go against Juice Robinson and David Finley. So Cody fights off Polk Friction. Finley makes the save, but Page hits the buckshot lariat. Cody and Juice trade strikes, and then they trade kicks. Juice looks for Polk Friction, but Cody hits Den's fire for the win. Post-match, Cody runs down Juice and declares himself the next IWGP United States Champion. He basically said he's tired of the wrestling media, the IWC, talking about Juice Robinson has turned a corner when the only thing that Juice <laughs> Robinson has done is the, has done a bad impersonation of Kari Saint. Bruh, I, I fucking laughed and died <laughs> at that. And then I laughed later on when Kari was like, I guess? <laughs> Kari's response was funny to give. Because <laughs> then I was like, I never even really thought about the fact that, yeah, Juice stuff kind of do look like Kari until, until Cody pointed that out. And I was like, he ain't actually, it's, it's some shade, but it's actually kind of true. <laughs> and then Juice got him back in the promo with, with like, no selling Stephen Amell from Arrow. <laughs> yeah. And basically, basically saying in so many words that Cody was a lazy-ass part-timer. <laughs> and everybody out here swimming with the sharks when you were dancing with the stars. <laughs> so that, that, like, the promos for their upcoming match is going to be ridiculous. It was a really good match. But I feel it was kind of messed up the fact that Cody just come out of nowhere and just get a title shot where other people put in that work in G one and Well, and you see that uh in the in the um in the promo where Juice talks about everybody who he lost to, but he was like, We gonna move your ass to the front of the line. <laughs> yeah, that helped that helped the situation as well, but it's like I think if New Japan was doing better like getting sales like they want for those West Coast shows, they wouldn't have had to do that to put Cody in. Because I don't think that might have been their original plan, but they had to because the tickets weren't moving like they wanted to do. And if you put Cody on that car in a match of that nature, it's going to definitely help the show get tickets and maybe even sell out. And also, it could also help Juice get more renowned in America too. So, Right. It's actually a positive thing. It's just I was kind of like, damn, that's kind of messed up. But it ain't about who's deserving or whatnot. It's about what is best for the situation, I guess. So it's and another thing with this match, too, because it's, no, it's some nice stuff. I like the fact that Cody, even though he's a Lionel Kenny in them, still a dirty heel. I like that. And it also makes you little bit uneasy with him too with them because you never know he might be a snake in the grass on the low so and also another thing with that him and hangman make a hell of a tag team and like i could see them as tag champs at some point somewhere uh, down the line they, they really worked well together mm-hmm. and i also believe that they those two like also bring out like the darkness in in Hangman, where you don't see that darkness with the other guys, it's really prominent when he's with Cody. <laughs> so, 
it kind of goes back. It ties into the stuff Tana said. Like, like I would really would like to get to work with Eggman because he has so much potential, and I want to get all that Bullet Club out of him. But even with that, it's more to that. We'll touch on that later in the show. <laughs> the Yum Bucks and Marty Scroll are here, and they're going to face off against the Gorillas of Destiny and Taiji Ichimori. So before the match, Tamatanga gets on the mic and he says, hey, put those titles up. Let's make this championship match. Our man, Harold May, the new Japan president, is out there ringside. Harold May gets on the mic. He says, yeah, let's do it. So let's make it a title match. So now this turns into a never open weight six man title match. The Bucks look for the Meltzer driver, but Tonga Loa cuts it off and it completely breaks down. Loa cuts off Marty, but Marty looks to break his fingers. Marty gets caught by a gun stun from Tama Tonga, and we have brand new champions. After the match, the new champions beat down the former champions, and once they were done with that, they picked up the belts and threw them at the feet of Harold May and said, we don't want Tama Tonga, we don't want these shits. They actually threw the tag team, the IWGP tag team titles too. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Basically, they basically said, like, we don't give a F about this stuff, so... It's like it fits in what they established when they started the firing squad because Bullet Club hadn't had a IWGP heavyweight champion since AJ, and that was like late 2015. Mm-hmm. So they finally get one, and then they kick them out. So it actually fits with their logic. It's not about titles. It's about being a unit and being one whole together, supporting each other. F the results. F the belts. It's all about us. So I get that element of it completely. But part of me thinks about what my man from SOS Wrestle Talk, like Dion said, it's it's um these dudes are kind of if you're not really paying attention to like the product, they low key stealing stuff from LIG creative wise because like Evil and LIG have been about like really man, it ain't no leader. We all just one family, bro. So <laughs> they they. Fire Squad is still in that. And now they've done this stuff with the title belts. And that's a direct steal from, like, LIJ, too. Because, you know, let's be real. You saw what Naito did with the Intercon on the World Championship. So Don't remind me. I was <laughs> Me and Naito had a very uh, strenuous relationship <laughs> during those runs. Uh, oh, God. I'm bringing back. I'm giving you PTSD, buddy. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, well. Don't let my man get any title again because he's going to be slinging it again and I'm going to be all the way here for that. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, I love that Ishimori is also like aligned with them too now. So it's, that's good. They need that, that workhorse talent to do it. And he definitely brought a new, a really good element to that match. I was like, I was happy to see him because I hadn't seen him in a while because he's been on the background since Super Juniors. So. Getting him heated up, giving him a title, and hopefully he'll be in the running to get that IWGP Junior Championship. But yeah, man, I like reborn, man, reborn. He really, he, he, I, he really shined in that match. But yeah, man. the stuff with Harold May and people beefing about that, I personally don't want to see a on-air character in New Japan. Mm-hmm. But if if you listen to the crowd. They actually were really hyped for the fact that they came there just expecting a regular match and then got a title match, and it actually added to the energy in the match. It actually really paid attention. So 
that's one of those divides between the people at home and the people in the crowd. The people in the crowd for it, and the people at home were not. So Harold let out the statement about he's apologizing and whatnot. So just chill out on being on air. We get that from the other company. We don't need it here in New Japan. We're here for like the guys just doing what they do without yeah. really without any of the like front office getting involved. Right. Do you think that they did that because they're trying to attract more Western uh, viewers. And so they gave them something that they're kind of more accustomed to, but that authority figure kind of making a matchup kind of on the fly type thing. I kind of do, but you got to be careful with doing that. You could still achieve that goal without having someone on air say it. You could just have somebody from the back come back and just whisper in the referee's ear and say, it's been approved. It's it's a ways around it without having an on air person. You gotta be careful with that. You gotta be careful putting all those Japanese titles on guidance. Well, let me rephrase that foreigners. Cause you're based in another in, in that country. You can't you got it's a balancing act. You can't have too many foreigners or champions. I'm just even if you're branching out on a world basis, you gotta kinda also cater to your base. Because don't sleep on the fact that all Japan is starting to heat up. Don't sleep on the fact that Dragon Gate, even though they're not doing the business they used to do, they still can turn it around at some point. So and big they Japan, have competition. Even though it's like a comedy thing, a lot of people are starting to go to that now, too. That's getting a lot of buzz, too. DDT. DDT has their base. They do their own thing. So you got to be very careful about that, buddy. Our next match, we had... Kenny Omega, Chase Owens, and Yujiro versus Yanu, Jay White, and Ishii. Ishii cuts off Owens and walks through super kicks, and then Ishii hits a headbutt and lariat. Owens again looks for the package power driver, but Ishii kills Owens with the lariat, and the vertical drop brain buster finishes off Chase Owens. After the match, Ishii officially challenges Kenny Omega to an IWGP championship match. Oh, yeah. Where do we get it? Is it going to be King of Pro Wrestling? Is it going to be the Structure Tour? Probably going to be King of Pro Wrestling. Whatever yeah. it happens. I'm going to be all the way here for it. I don't care if, I don't care if Ishii wins. I mean, I would lose my mind if he wins, but I'm here for that rematch because that G1 match is ridiculous. And every, every Omega and Ishii match has been great matches. So why should I expect anything less, you know? You're right. Uh, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in this match is Jay White starts it off and he's in there for about a minute or so. And all of a sudden he just tags Yano like out of the blue and Yano <laughs> Jay White just hopped the fuck out the ring straight to the floor and like starts almost like walking up the ramp. And he's just telling Yano, get in there, get in there, get in there. Yano's looking around like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> oh man. Stay wild. So in a surprise. Ray Mysterio Jr. is here, and he's teaming up with Kushida and Taguchi dressed up as some type of cosplay character. Uh, Sengoku Mai is what his name was, versus Sho, Yo, and Okada. This was a lot of fun. It breaks down as Okada and May hit stereo topes. Ray sends Yo to the ropes, and he hits the six, 619. Then Ray hits a springboard splash, and Ray Mysterio, Kushida, and Sengoku. Sinku May beat Sho Yo and Okada. Wow. Sign me up 
for Okada versus Rey, Rey Mysterio. Sign me up. Sign me up. I would love to see that too, but uh, Rey got that 2K money. <laughs> that, that, that WWE 2K money. So that means he's he's not long for New Japan. So Yeah, the, I don't know how long um, he's got before that WWE contract is official, or I think they, they might still be negotiating it, according to Conan. But yeah, it's really close. So if New Japan is gonna uh, is gonna get any more dates out of them, they got to do it quick because uh, they need him and they need him at the show in right. September in, in California. That's for, for a fact. The video game comes out around October, usually around like Halloween. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so basically they got probably up until the end of September to kind of to kind of get what they yeah. can out of them. Yeah, he needs to be on that show for sure. Yeah, for sure. But this was a lot of fun, man. Ray Mysterio in there with Okada. Ray Mysterio in there with Showing Yo. And uh, man, these people in Japan came to see one thing from Ray, and that was the six one nine. So yeah, it was cool that he actually got a chance to wrestle in New Japan this time, and not just you know make an appearance and cut a promo like he did when he hurt his shoulder when he was supposed yeah. to wrestle uh, Jusen Thunder Liger. So good stuff there. Then we move into our main event of the evening: the Ace. Tanahashi versus the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi. Tanahashi counters the Kamagoye into a twist and shout. He hangs on to Ibushi and hits another twist and shout. Tanahashi looks for a third twist and shout, but Ibushi escapes and lays in the strikes. Tanahashi hits the Dragon Suplex for another near fall. Tanahashi goes up top and the high fly flow connects. He heads back up and as he's heading back up, Ibushi gets back to his feet. So Tanahashi kind of alters himself and he hits the high cross body block. Tanahashi follows that up with another high fly flow and the ace. Tanahashi wins his third G1 tournament. And that was Tanahashi held back. He was, he was, he was like playing possum on us, making some of us believe that he might have been washed. Nope. <laughs> he was saving the best for last and my God, he killed it. Him and Ibushi have great chemistry, and it came through in this match. I was happy for Tanahashi to win it again, but I was also sad for, for Ibushi to get this far and not to like see it through. Yeah, he but was devastated at the end. It, it That's really important for wrestling to show that it does matter. People, Some people tell you wins and losses don't matter. It does matter. And the way wrestlers sell how they feel about losses or victory actually aids in that as well. As you can see how Zach was happy in winning and very frustrated in defeat. You see, you saw like the previous night, Bushi happy in victory. The next night, sad in defeat. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's very important how they're portrayed. Don't let anybody fool you say, thinking it's not. Um, I just, I love that I'm a Tanahashi fan since the match he had against AJ at TNA Final Resolution 2006. That was the first match that I saw Tanahashi wrestle. And I've been keeping it up with him over the years. Certain things I didn't know. I didn't know how he was important he was to New Japan until later on. And my friends informed me and people watching. So, like, for, like, new fans, you need to know this and understand this for a fact. It would be no New Japan if Tanahashi didn't have start to, to turn the tide with with him and Gito, the booking team, and also Nakamura and... Nugata to lesser degrees, but they were also important from preventing the, sh- the company being 
out of business. So anytime you see Tanahashi, you have to understand that and give that man that respect. Because if if the work he and his friends did didn't come through, you would not be watching New Japan right now. So Tanahashi is one of the greatest wrestlers ever. He should have displayed it again. Bushi is one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. To me, Bushi was right behind, slowly a step behind, like like Ishii as MVP. So hopefully the greater days ahead for Kota and. And here we go. We'll see how that main event go because Tanahashi and the, Tanahashi and um, Omega have not faced off since that New Beginners match in 2016 when they were wrestling for the IWGB vacant Intercontinental Championship, and they have not interacted on a singles match since. So that match protected. This may be Tanahashi's last main event match at at Wrestle Kingdom, so I expect him to go all out. Whether he wins or loses, it's fine with me because I'm getting to see Tanahashi in a spot I didn't expect to ever see him again, to be quite honest. And I know Omega as a person with pride and wanted to always have the best match is going to, they're going to bring it to, bring it all out and we'll just see how the trips may fall. But now we head into the post match stuff and, and, and Tanahashi playing little mind games and, Talking about, I don't know about Ibushi. He's a great wrestler. He could be. He's one of the best wrestlers. But to him to fully reach his potential, he needs to separate himself from Kenny. Because you can't. It's going to be hard for him to be the best person he possibly could be with that relationship. And and yeah, Omega was not happy about that. If you saw him <laughs> replying to the translation from. Chris Charlton, who was excellent on, on commentary again. That the commentary for the tournament was great, but especially when they brought in Chris for the last couple of nights, he, he gave exposition for stuff that some of us didn't know. Yeah, so he had he, a lot of history, uh, a lot a, of history with with uh, you know how things were linked up and progressions and how you know hey they haven't done this since this few years back and yeah he had a lot of good information like. If you want to get more information from him just check out his books because they recently came like one his new book about the history of the dome and other companies wrestling with it is out so yeah check that out and he's had another book from a couple years ago so you should check that as well that's a good he's a good dude um but yeah man just just tana just poking the bear and mega did not really like that and then he started firing her off on him Shoot, see, like the shoot, and said, "That's why you ain't all in, brother." You're <laughs> 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 like, "That's why you ain't all in, you old bastard." <laughs> so many words, and then he, then because I think Chris also talked about Tana playing them tricks with tacos, talking about tacos got a lot of talent, but it ain't really working for him in chaos. He needs to come with me, and I could get the best out of him. And also, what he said in high, like what I was talking about, Hangman, Hangman. To reach his full potential, he he needs to be with me, and and I can get it out of him. And for me, as a person who watched other sports, this stuff kind of reminded me of the mind games that Kobe played on Russell Westbrook and tried to play on Kevin Durant when they were like on Team Team USA with him because he saw them as threats. So he tried to just do a little, say little things to throw like Russell off, but they weren't going for the cheese. <laughs> At the time, eventually they did, <laughs> but he was already out. But just old tricks veterans do to young people that might might be in their way or like units that could be in their way. So they try to weaken them 
so to open up the lane for them to to do better. So it's just like over there messing with Bullica, messing with the elite, messing with chaos. Yeah, y'all be looking like Tony, like you just like this this cool old dude, real smart, bro. You went to an Ivy League school in Japan. Don't sleep on him. Um, one of the coolest things and uh of the whole thing was my man Shibata was out there in uh, Tanahashi's oh. corner. And then after the match, Shibata lifted Tanahashi up and did like a lap around the ring. I almost lost it. Brother, I fucking lost my mind at that because Shibata's one of my favorite dudes. It was it was very emotional him, for me because Shibata's my just, guy too. Just see him out there smiling, being happy for your friend, even though it's not you. And you can probably visualize yourself in that position. But you being there for your friend, those two are two of the three New Japan new generation or current generation of musketeers. It's Tanahashi, Shibata, and our man getting doing the best, keeping them getting them checks impersonation in new in WWE, Shinsuke Nakamura. Those that is the three Japan that is three musketeers of this generation. So to see two of them together like that and the memes afterwards and the pictures of them just Oh man, that that just gave extra meaning and Kenny being in Abushi's corner, even though he lost in the previous night, was also a great factor in them giving out information and like advice in the course of the match. That shit gave it another level on the match too, as it as itself. So it's like, like those little things matter, man. Man, it made me really happy to see Shibata just out there and just enjoying yeah. life yeah he looked like he was doing good he looked strong he looked uh you know what i'm saying he, he looked to have good mobility so yeah it, it just just made me reflect like dad you know like hamna got fucking carted out of the ring couldn't fucking move for like a month and he actually wrestled on this card Shibata yeah, it was great. just took yeah. a headbutt and freaking you know can't wrestle no more like whoa life is unfair <laughs> Yeah, life can be really unfair, but also we also have to keep in mind these are some of the best athletes in the world. So for them, this is just another challenge for them to get up and do better. So I'm happy to see them moving around and being good again. I I'm probably one of those people who still hold up hope about we see Shibata Russell again, but I don't want him to risk his health. So if right. I don't ever see him again, I still have all those memories and all those matches I can go back and watch. So Props to Shibata, props to Tanahashi, props to Bushi, and props to Omega. It was an awesome night. So as we put a bow on this year's G1, um, just go through kind of some of the matches that still stick out to you, and uh, I'll try to come up with a few different ones if if, if you if – you, because I'm pretty sure we're going to have about three or four of the same ones. But go ahead and start with your list, and I'll kind of fill in from there. The best matches, I'm not going to give them a number. Of course, Tanahashi versus Okada. Of course, Omega versus Ibushi. Of course, the G1 Climax Finals, Tanahashi versus Ibushi. Those are no-brainers. Omega versus Ishii is another great match. Um, Ibushi versus Ishii is another great match. Goto versus Ishii is another great match. A classic strong style type of match. They kept it in the ring. It was no outside effery. They just brought it. Um, Sonata versus Ibushi was awesome. And I think that was in Sonata's, Sonata's hometown. hometown. So that was a big, yep. that was a big victory for Sonata and Naito versus Omega, of course. Uh, 
one of that that started that set the tone for everything. Right. Uh it's it's just it was like man, like Tanahashi versus problematic Elgin. That was awesome man, despite the, the wonky finish. Um I think uh Okada versus Yoshihashi was awesome. I I like Tanahashi versus Yoshihashi as well. It's a lot of matches, man. It's it's like Sonata versus Zack Sabre Jr. out wrestling Zack Sabre Jr. on his own ground. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Zack versus Naito was an awesome final match. And just like I always said, Ishii versus Sonata. It's it's like I, it's so many matches of high quality. And the beauty of G one is like these matches are not super long. So say if you're you're at a lunch break or like a slight break, it's just bust through one of these during one of those. So it's like. It's a lot of awesome matches, man. A lot of awesome yeah. matches. And a lot of these, it's going to be hard to, like, because we have, if you're doing, like, a worldwide, like, match of the year thing, that sh- that's going to be really hard. It's not as hard as last year with New Japan. Yeah, but because, it's still hard. Because last year, because, like, a lot of, because, uh, like, two-thirds of the match, two of the participants got DQ'd for just about every match. Whereas last year, man, the whole tournament as a whole, from beginning to end, man, just about every match in there was like a three star match at the least last year, man. At the least, it was least it, it was at the least it was a three star. So yeah, last year's tournament, yeah. as far as a whole thing, as far as the whole tournament and match for match for match, I don't think there's been the last I've watched the last three, and that was definitely the best out of the last three. Uh, out of the last three, I would agree, but the twenty six is pretty good too. Though. I don't sleep on yeah. that. Twenty six is pretty good. I think the one in 2013 was strong as well. I remember that being really good. Um, another match that you didn't have was Goto versus Ishii. That was a very good match. Um, Actually, I did have Goto versus Ishii. Had you said that one? Okay. Um, yeah. And I think you got all the ones, that, the same ones that I had then. Um, I'm trying to think if there's something else, another one that I may have. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus uh, Koda. Did you get that one in there? Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah what that about one was really Zach, good. What a- what about Zach versus Omega? That was pretty good, that too. That was really good, too. Yeah, yeah. So the B block in general, man, you could just basically go through and just be like, every match in this B block was pretty fucking fire. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was the athleticism block, but we got to give Goto some grief. Don't put all the champions in one block again, brother. Yeah. Don't do that again. Nah, yeah. man. Put If you're going to put a predominant, like a predominant amount of champions in one block, I guess okay. But put man, split the difference, bro. Like have at least two champions on one block and the other champions in the other block. You know, and we kind of did miss having an intercontinental champion in it because that circumvented like potential title matchups. So right, right. I don't know. But what? Oh yeah. How would you feel about an Ishii versus Jericho match at Wrestle Kingdom for the intercontinental championship? Sign me up, brother. I think like the the like the type of style that Jericho is working in Japan, I think that could work versus Ishii. Yeah, I heard I've heard Jericho talk about um what his kind of inspiration has been. And what he's saying is that most of the guys, you know, in a WWE, you know, he's smaller than like seventy five percent of the guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. when he comes over here to Japan, he's bigger than like ninety percent of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. So what he said was he kind of 
adapted kind of what Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen would do as kind of like a roughhouse brawler type style, being the much bigger, you know, guy that he it's started. A smart move. Yeah, they, they, that that's kind of what he kind of goes into these matches. Uh, kind of thinking. He said that was kind of his motivation for the Naito match, the championship match where he won the title. And they had that the match just starts as a crazy ass brawl and it's more of a brawl than a wrestling match. He says that, mm-hmm. you know, he got that from watching Bruiser Brody films and, and how Brody would just go in there and just eat those guys up because he's way bigger and way stronger. And he said that's what he kind of tries. He was thinking, uh, at least with this last few matches, at least the one with Go- uh, Naito, I mean, where he was like, yeah, I'm just going to go in there and eat him up. I'm bigger, I'm stronger, and I'm just going to whip his ass. He pretty much did that. <laughs> so that's actually smart. It's yeah. a smart move to also do when you're aging. You can't do what you used to do technically-wise. So right. That's right. also smart. Too. I mean, Chris Jericho, man, I mean, you don't stay around this business for 30 years and get and be able to, for the last, what, 10 years, be able to write your own ticket, do, do it however you want to without – being a creative mind and always having something fresh and new. That's the one thing you can always say about Chris Jericho. He may come back this next time we see him after this four or five month layoff and he might be totally different than when we saw him wrestling against Naito with the crazy face paint and all that going on. So you believe the, think about the fact that Chris Jericho at his age had a five star match. <laughs> right. You know how hard like he he's about almost close to fifty and he, he killed it in Wrestle Kingdom. He, to me him and Omega kind of stole that stole that night from Okada and Naito, to be quite honest. But yeah. teachers on. Yeah, man. So just as we put a bow on this year's G1, just a, another awesome tournament. I hope new fans of New Japan uh, got a chance to kind of watch this, watch most of it, and kind of get a real feel for, um, you know, most of what the New Japan product is about, especially in the heavyweight division. You didn't get to see a lot of the juniors. Uh, in this go round, just due to the nature of the undercards and things dealing, setting up the matches for the next day. But as far as the heavyweight scene and seeing, you know, the 18, 20 major guys that they picked out in the heavyweight scene, just go at it for a month and a half. is just fantastic. And I can't wait to see how next year's plays out. Um, besides Hangman Page, do you have another kind of breakout guy in this year's tournament? Another breakout guy. Well, I mean, we already know how great Sonata could be. We just you just got to see it a bit more in this tournament. So probably say he's a breakout, but it's not really accurate. I think like as far as just a new star, it was it was just Hangman. But as a star that's talented and could move further up, you could probably give it a Sonata. All right, all right, all right, Anwar. So at this point, man, I'm gonna open it up to you for shout outs and thank yous. Uh, we've got a little hiatus here. The next New Japan events won't take place until like September 7th, I think. I saw on the schedule. So got a you know a couple of weeks here for the guys to kind of get rested, recover, go home, heal up, and then I come back and we'll get ready to head towards uh is it destruction that we're getting ready to head towards or the King of Pro Wrestling? I think it's King of Pro Wrestling. I think destruction. Okay, yeah, so we'll be on the road to destruction when we come back in September. So looking forward to that. It was weird on Monday not having Two hours of awesome wrestling to watch. Yeah, it was it's it's been kind of weird. Yeah, the last couple of days. So shout out to thank you, Zanwar. Uh, shout out to Moto. Miss you. I want to hear your voice again. I'd rather hear you on this podcast than me, but you know, because I'm such a fan. 
Hope everything's going well. Hope if they're not, they get better. Shout out to um, Natty and the rest of the hearts. I met Natty one time and she was great. I met Brett one time and she was great. And that's not always the case when people you admire and you meet, meet them are great to you. So really feel bad for them. Anvil was one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. Harp and Dan Shane was my favorite tag team as a child. So yeah, man. Appreciate the people while you have them because we're not here forever. Let's right. appreciate Brett while you have them. I'd like to give a shout out to Miss Moto with some late breaking news. She said that she can join us for the next recording. So in Yay! September, hopefully Moto will be able to get back on the mic and give us some of her thoughts and theories. It's been long overdue. Can't wait. Yeah. Yes. Give a shout out to my co-host who's been filling in admirably in her absence, Mr. Anwar Starwin. Thank you very much, man, for helping us keep the podcast going. No problem. I like being a helper. <laughs> Give a shout out to everybody who used the Cast of Strong Style hashtag for the last month and a half. Who kept up with all the matches just like we did. We definitely appreciated y'all's commentary and y'all's thoughts and y'all's opinions. It was a lot of fun interacting and continue to use the hashtag Cast of Strong Style to interact with us each and every week. Uh, if you're a fan of this show and you don't listen to the WrestleCast, check that out over on CSPN.us where we do more of the uh, WWE mainstream American wrestling reviews over there. Uh, check out our Patreon page at CSPN.com. Uh, excuse me, at Patreon.com forward slash CSPN Media. Uh, we've got exclusive content up over there. Become a CSPN backstage member to gain access to that. And you can also help support the podcast through Patreon. Or you can go to CSPN.us, click on the sponsors tab, uh, buy things from Amazon, Busted Tees, Blue Apron, Audible. You can support the podcast that way as well. So, for my co-host, Anwar Starwin, I'm Don DeLorente, and this has been Past of Strong Style. Strong style. Strong style. Strong style.